So I want to return where we left off last week. Jesus said, go make disciples, uh, baptize people in the name of Jesus, go preach uh, my name, proclaim forgiveness in my name, go be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, to the ends of the earth, go, go, go. But in the beginning of Acts, he says, ready, set, wait. Before you go, wait. Wait for this gift that I'm going to give you. Wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit. We're in a series called Simple Church. And, and so last week we made the, the, the comment that the church is spirit-filled. Apart from the spirit, we can't do church. I mean, we can make some dust. We can do some things and create a little stir. But, but, but the Bible says that we are clothed with, that, with power from on high. So if we want to do anything of substance for the kingdom, it has got to be uh, spirit-led. Ready, set, wait. And then it happens. Suddenly, we read in Acts chapter 2, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that came and rested on each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Those early church uh, disciples, the apostles, they were waiting for this gift. Today, we don't need to wait. The gift has already been given. It happened a couple thousand years ago on that Pentecost day. God gave the, the Spirit to the church, and, and if you are a, a believer in the Lord Jesus, you have received the Holy Spirit. Do you not know that you are God's temple? God's Spirit lives in you. So you have the Holy Spirit. We, we don't need to wait for a gift that we've already been given. So the disciples receive the Spirit and they begin speaking in all these different languages. And there's people who are coming to Jerusalem that day and they're coming from faraway places and they're hearing the wonders of God proclaimed in their own language, Parthian and Persian and Coptic and Latin and, and all of these languages, and they're amazed. How is it that these disciples who don't know our language are proclaiming us the, the good news in our own language? And there's this rumor that starts to circulate that, that says they're drunk. Like, they're acting so bizarre that they must be drunk. And so Peter is going to address the, the, the rumors and this is kind of the first sermon, the first post-Jesus Ascension sermon, sermon that's ever given. So there's this large crowd that gathers, and, and Peter decides he's going to speak to them. Now, this isn't the disciples' first rodeo. It's not like this is the first time that they've ever done this. Remember when Jesus was with the disciples, he would send them out on mission trips. He would send out the 12, and one occasion he sent out 70, and he would tell them to go and minister, and then they would return, and they would talk about it, they would debrief. So this is, it's now like driver Zed. You know, he had been their driving instructor before, kind of sitting right next to him. This is the maiden voyage. Jesus is no longer there. There's no debriefing with Jesus. Now what they have is the Holy Spirit. And so Peter speaks up. We're at Acts chapter 2, verse 22. Men of Israel, fellow Israelites, listen to this, he begins. 
I've got something very important to tell you. I want to tell you about the five ways that you can be a better spouse, a better husband, a better wife. Fellow Israel, Israelites, listen to this. I want to tell you how to get that promotion at work that you deserve. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Let me tell you about how to, to make friends and how to be happy in this world. Fellow Israelites, let me tell you how to raise successful children. Fellow Israelites, let me tell you how to manage your money in a responsible way. Fellow Israelites, let me tell you a few things about morality, how you can be good, moral people. Let me tell you about citizenship and, and patriotism. Obviously, you get my drift, right? I'm being sarcastic here. It's not at all what, what Peter says. This is what he says. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth. The first words out of his mouth are Jesus. This is what we call the bullseye. This is what we call being on point. I once heard someone following a worship service, not here at this church, at another church, complain that at the church service there was just a little too much talk about Jesus. Jesus this and, and Jesus that. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Her complaint that, the, that was that this particular church was kind of overdoing it on all of the, the Jesus talk. If anyone ever complains about our church, I sure hope it's that. I sure hope that it's because we are obsessed with Jesus. It's not the Jesus talk that concerns me. What concerns me are the churches that are obsessed with everything but Jesus. The churches that think they're a, a political party. Or the churches that think their mission is to help everyone kind of do some self-improvement. Just better yourselves. Become a better employee, a better boss, a better husband, a better wife, a better child, a better anything. It's the churches that talk about God in the most generic sense that concern me. There's a way that we could do church that doesn't need Jesus. That would be troublesome. If we could, we could do everything that we're doing and, and Jesus could be involved in it or couldn't be, we really don't need him for the agenda that we have. That's not the church that we want to be. It's not the church that we're called to be. So why would the very first word out of Peter's mouth be, fellow Israelites, listen to this, Jesus. It's because he knows the truth that's written in Acts 4, verse 12. Salvation is found in no one else. There's no other name under heaven given to us by which we might be saved but the name of Jesus. That's it. God has given us one means of salvation, and it's through Jesus. Simple church. When we examine the, the early church in the book of Acts, we discover two things. One, it was spirit-filled. We talked about that last week. Apart from the spirit, we're just kind of creating a little dust storm. It was spirit-filled, and it was Christ-centered. That was the bullseye. It was about Jesus Christ. Now, all those other things that I mentioned, did the church ever talk about them? Did they talk about money? Did they talk about marriage and 
and parenting? Absolutely. Jesus talked about those things. They were never the main thing. Those are always secondary. Jesus is the main thing. Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. That's what we're called to be, my witnesses, witnesses of Jesus Christ. And so a simple church is a church that understands what it has to offer the world. What, what is the, the gift that God's given us? What is it that, that, that we're offering? What is the good news? What is the gospel? You can learn to be a better parent apart from Christ. You can learn to manage your money more responsibly apart from Christ. You could work on becoming a more moral person apart from Christ. A better spouse, a better parent, a better boss, a better employee apart from Christ. You know what you can't do apart from Christ? You can't be forgiven apart from Christ. You can't be saved apart from Christ. You can't be born again apart from Christ. You can't cross over from death to life apart from Christ. The hope that we have to offer the world is the good news of Jesus Christ. So think about it this way. Uh, if you decide to go to Yenqing, if you decide to go to a Chinese restaurant, I'm guessing that you don't order a hamburger. Now, I know that there's someone here. Is it Leon? I knew there would be one. <laughs> I was thinking it might be my son, Sam, and Leon, you and Sam, or you guys can go to Yenqing together. When you go to a Mexican restaurant, when you go to El Toro, you don't order pizza. There's only one thing to get at El Toro. It's chimichanga. Anything else, you're making a mistake. When you go to uh, Vitali's, Italian restaurant, you don't order sushi. And when you go to Fujiyama, you don't order deep dish pizza. So why is it then that we as a church feel like we have to offer this smorgasbord of options? Everything. We've got to offer it all. Hamburger on the menu, pizza on the menu, sushi, Chinese, Mexican. There's a reason that books being printed today have titles like Simple Church. And I looked on Amazon, the number, the two most commonly ordered books, one is adult coloring books, and the second are books about how to tidy your house. That says something about what people are feeling today. People are feeling just like, and COVID has actually been a gift to us in this sense that it slowed everything down. But what we're noticing, as soon as we're able, we just rush right back to all of it. And the craziness begins. Simple church. There's a, a growing recognition in the world of church that we cannot keep doing what we've been doing. We cannot keep running the machine of church that just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. It's not sustainable. I was with a, a pastor over the weekend and uh, he was talking, he's been at his church for 14 years, and every single year they do a leadership retreat, and he said at every lead leadership retreat, we come up with one more program, one more thing that we as a church need to, to implement. And he said at their last leadership retreat, they, they called a timeout, and they said, hold on, we, we can't keep doing this, we can't sustain it. The biggest challenge facing churches today is not what one more thing are we going to add to our menu it's what one thing that we love that we're going to cut. 
so that we can be more laser focused on what it is that, that Christ has called us to, more laser focused on the bullseye. There's a, a Greek parable about a fox and a hedgehog. And, and in the parable, the, the fox is, is got this big bag of tricks. I mean, he's, he's wily, he's smart, he's clever. Big ba- ba- bag of tricks. The hedgehog knows only one thing, survival. That's it. That, the hedgehog is laser-focused on survival. And between the, the fox and the hedgehog, the hedgehog always wins. If you're familiar with Jim Collins' his book, Good to Great, a, a number of years ago, he has this hedgehog principle where he talks about knowing that one thing that you're passionate about, that you're called to, and just having laser focus on that. Our, our hedgehog principle is Jesus. Jesus is the bullseye. So back to the scripture, Acts 2, verse 22. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which, did, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Jesus, as you know, by everything he did, was sent by God. Only God could do the things that that Jesus did. Walking on water, turning water to wine, healing the, the sick. Only Jesus, only God could do something like that. God sent you his son, and you killed him. And I want to say, whoa, Peter. I mean, remember who this is. Peter is only a couple weeks earlier that Peter was standing before a, a little slave girl. And she said, you were with him, weren't you? Didn't, weren't you one of his followers? He said, I, I wasn't. I don't know what you're talking about. Three times he cowers before this, this slave girl. I just pleading with her, stop, I don't know him. I I didn't have anything to do with him. And now he's standing before this large crowd, religious leaders in the crowd. He said, you killed him. I think today we might need to feel the weight of that by substituting pronouns. It's easy for us today to to look back and say they, they killed him. But we know from Scripture, we know the bigger picture, that he was crushed for our iniquities. That the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. That that we have a hand in what happened 2,000 years ago. God sent us his son, and we killed him. It was on account of our sin that he was killed. We killed him, but God raised him from the dead. Jesus defeated death. We're going to skip forward to verse 29. Brothers, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet, and he knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are witnesses of the fact. 
He's exalted to the right hand of God. He's received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, and he's poured out on us what you see now and hear. So again, this is Peter's maiden voyage. This is his first chance, his first sermon. Jesus isn't with him. And what is his message? Christ crucified. Christ risen. Christ exalted. Jesus, the sacrifice for sins, crucified on a cross. Jesus, the the victor, defeating sin, rising again. Jesus, the exalted Lord, Lord over heaven and earth, the one to whom and through whom and by whom and for whom all things exist. Jesus. This is the menu that we have to serve. Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, coming again. It is absolute arrogance to think that we need to add something to that, that we need to dress that up in order to make that a a winsome, compelling message. Again, to use the restaurant analogy, nobody goes to to Morton's of Chicago and orders a $75 steak and asks for A1 sauce. Nobody except for maybe Leon. We don't need to dress up the gospel. We don't don't need to improve upon Jesus Christ crucified, risen, coming again. That's, That's our hope. Jesus, in Christ alone, my hope is found. No other name under heaven by which we might be saved. Jesus, there's just something about that name. Jesus, name above all names. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, blessed Redeemer. Jesus. So the church was spirit-filled and the church was Christ-centered. And look what happened. Verse 37. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and the other apostles, what shall we do? What what do you want us to do? What, What shall we do? And Peter said, this is what you need to do. You need to learn to manage your money better. You need to become a little more moral, better parent. You need to self-improve yourself. No, Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's such a simple message, such a clear message. Repent be baptized, be forgiven of your sins. So we're a couple thousand years removed from that. The church has grown up. We're no longer an infant church. But the message hasn't changed. The menu hasn't changed. It's still what we have to offer the world. It's Jesus. Repent from your sins. Turn to Jesus. Place your trust in him. Be baptized. Join the community of faith. That's it. We're followers of Jesus. We're called to be witnesses of Jesus. Our hope is in Jesus. We're called to be obsessed with Jesus. And and what I've observed in this world is that the world is hungry for Jesus. Once you get to know Jesus, you can't help but love him. Join me as we pray. Lord, um, I pray uh, 
the scripture in Hebrews 12, it says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And Lord, you know how easy it is for us to, to shift our eyes to all kinds of different things, even good things. But Lord, help us just have a, a concentration that is focused on you. Lord, you are the good news. You are the hope of the world. And so we pray that you would make your name great among us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.